Evening, everyone. Matthew chapter number five. Are you already there? Did you already go there? All right, good. That's where we're at. Matthew chapter five. Hey, I loved last night just us reading together, and uh, so I just would like to do that again. So if you'd stand, we're going to start at verse three. We'll read through verse ten. It'll be the last time I ask you to stand before the end of the sermon, okay? Is that all right? Some of you. All right, you're, I see you're a little glassy-eyed anyways. You probably need this. All right, let's read together. The Bible says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You may be seated. A few nights ago, I brought up a ladder. showed how the first four Beatitudes are really this inner heart. And now, as we're moving on and moving toward the, the latter end of the Beatitudes, we see there is this action to be merciful and, and moves us to be pure in heart. And this one really... It looks back at the other Beatitudes. Because the one we're going to study today is blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who bring peace. And it, when you look back and you go, man, you, you have to be pure in heart to be a peacemaker. To be one who wants to fight for peace. Because the truth is, peace is not easy. The Bible talks about peace a few times. In the Bible, it has 400 direct references to the word peace. In the garden, it starts with peace, and it ends with peace in eternity. What is this peace the Bible talks of? The Jews use this word. You know what that word is? Shalom. The word means peace, and when you study this word, it has such deep meaning. See, we've kind of turned this word peace into just just no turmoil or no bad things or, or no war. But their word, this, this word peace, it meant so much more. And I believe the peace the Bible offers is so much more. There's this hope. One defined it like this. The hope of all the highest good coming your way. It means much more than just the absence of war or distress. It means wholeness and completeness. It means health and security even prosperity in the best sense. When you read the epistles, you go to Romans, it begins with what? Grace and peace to you. Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, what do they start with? Grace and peace to you. This wonderful peace of the Lord. Do you know the peace of the Lord? This morning in our Bible study, we talked about some rest, and we questioned what rest is. And I come to the same place and go, what is true peace then? Ready, I have some pictures for you. This picture right behind me, you're going to throw it up there? Is, is that peace? Some of you are like, I'd take that right now, though. Is it peace? For my wife, this is not peace. She does not like sand. I don't know if any of you like that. 
But sand, there's the, any, the others, all right? Don't like, it's, it's not peace. What about this picture? Some of you went, yeah, and some of you over 80 went, mm-mm. There is no peace anywhere in that freezing picture. Put me up on a hill is no peace at all. How about this one? Family Christmas dinner. Wonderful peace for a little bit. And then the uncle comes in, and it's all downhill after that. All right, I have one more for you just to wake you up. Is that peace? Hey, I only did this because it's Thursday night, and some of you need to wake up. I see it, all right? You need to get a, either you're Michigan, and you get excited, or you're state, and you're going, or you're Ohio State, and you're crazy. Any of those. But just, I don't even, it, it, trust me, it's not, this is not a big deal to me. Just to wake you, what is this peace? What I find so amazing is that Jesus over and over spoke of this peace. Jesus went to the cross. He died and he rose again. And when he rose again, he came to the disciples Many think he met the disciples back in the upper room and the disciples were scared. They had locked the door and it was bad times. Jesus died on the cross. And the Bible says that Jesus enters the room. It's locked, but Jesus enters the room. And what does he say? What is the first thing that he says that we have recorded? It's in chapter 20. The Bible says in chapter, John chapter 20, verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked and the disciples were for the fear, it was locked because of the fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. The night when Jesus was betrayed, we have this Beautiful time. Jesus in the upper room with the disciples. We have multiple chapters in the, in the Gospel of John that tells us what Jesus says to them. It's the time when Jesus washes their feet. It's the time where Jesus speaks this amazing truth to them. In that time, Jesus speaks of the truth. Before the cross, after the cross. John 16, says, I have said these things to you. That in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. See, to be a peacemaker... We have to first know God's amazing peace that he offers. And I know the world we live in. You may ask, we talk about peace. Have you looked outside? You see what's happening. You see what's happening with murders, the abuse. You see, right? We see school shootings. We see Children manipulated. We see all of we see kids, babies being murdered. Right? We live in a broken world. And you look out and go, where, where is the peace? Just so you know, it's worse than we know. 
If we just look at the news here, if you want to look, just look, search the web for crises that are wars that are happening in our world today. You'll find that the news doesn't report all the wars and all the murders. There are so many happening. Our world is broken. And the truth is, there will continue to be wars and rumors of wars. Such a lack of peace. And then it gets personal because we look at our community and we look at our family. We can look and go, Pastor, we're, we're struggling to, to, to find peace, to have peace. This is happening and this happened. Some of that's really heavy. Some of that's, that's light and then some of it's real heavy. On the light side, my, my wife and I, we went out to dinner. With my, it was my son's birthday 13th birthday, and uh, we said, where do you want to go eat, bud? And he picked a, a sushi place, and we're like, okay. So we went to the sushi place and sat down. It was a little restaurant, and uh, we're sitting there. And uh, over at a table, about three tables down, was, a, was this lady and a man and three kids, about two, five, and seven. And the two-year-old decided to have a major, major, major meltdown in the middle of their, like, rolling on the floor meltdown, like yelling, you said if I was good, I would get ice cream. Now, I know some of you older people looking and going, those parents. All that's happened is you forgot. You forgot about years ago. You've just forgotten because all of us who have like Middle schoolers, we still remember. Because Silas was like, what is his son? Stop staring. And then we looked, and then we said, you want us to take you back to three and Kroger when you melted down? But a child melting down, screaming, and the man there is doing nothing. I mean, the mom is like, I told you we'd get ice cream if you would behave. You have not behaved. Yes, I have! Like in the middle of the restaurant. And the dad, so I'm thinking, buddy, you need to step it up. You know, that is just my, my thought. He has not said anything. I mean, they start to walk out of the restaurant, and the kid is holding on to the door. But right before they walked out, I heard her say, hey, say goodbye to Uncle George, or whatever his name. I was like, oh, he's the uncle, okay. <laughs> Maybe that's the lack of peace going on in your house. We can say that's the light side, and you know that's not light. But Maybe there's some heavy difficulties. So what I think is so important is that we land on the peace of God to know what it is. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, it says it so clearly. And tonight, just to grasp what is peace with God, because we can never get to being a peacemaker unless we first start and look and go, man, I need peace with God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you 
who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Verse 16, and might, and, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Peace of God through what? The blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're enemies with God, separated from God. But Jesus came. Colossians 1.19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The wonderful resting peace of knowing Jesus. Do you have peace with God? Good works doesn't give you peace with God. The cross of Jesus and faith in him. In our world, we have very much this cheap peace. I think about it this way. And in our culture, we think, man, if I can just have that, just, just right now in the present, if I can just, and I think people are like, man, okay, it's, it's Friday night. I don't have to see my boss for, for 47 hours. Okay. My teenager, he's over at a friend's house. The baby is sleeping the Tigers, they lost earlier tonight. I don't have to worry about them. <laughs> Can I sit here? The world's just looking for that. But we know peace is not just the absence of turmoil. We know peace is so much more than that. Because here's the truth. Even in the present, if you can go... There's still the past. There's still the things that happen. There are still the scars. There are still the things that were done to you. There are still the hurts. There are still the things, the ghost in your closet, the things that you did. They're still there. So what does our world do to help that? We try to medicate it. We try to forget it. We try to ignore it. And even if you medicate it, you go to the bottle, you go to the pill, there's still a problem. There's the future. What is to come? What is going to happen next? There's no peace. Without Jesus. See, Jesus comes, and I love it, it's so beautiful. He offers a peace treaty with God. He says, Yes, I know they're guilty, but I'll make the payment. That Jesus comes and offers us true peace. You ready for this? Peace in the past. 
He covers it. And maybe just tonight, you're in here and you need to hear this. God, Jesus came. He died on the cross. His peace, it covers your past. There is forgiveness. The Bible says your sin is tossed as far as the east is to the west. And will you believe it and know it? And that guilt, where is it from? The liar Satan who is an accuser of you. And what you do with that is you go, no, no, no. I am no longer guilty because of Jesus. Do you know it? See, Jesus is peace. It covers our past. Oh, but as we've studied in the Beatitudes, what's it say? He's here in the present. God with us. And it is so wonderful that if we know the Lord, it is a past thing and it is a present thing. And here's what's really exciting. It's also a future thing. That we know the future. That God has it. And even in the mess of this world... God's got us. We can hold on to that peace. I told you that at our church, we're preaching through the book of Revelation. I received a text this week from a lady, and she was out of town this weekend, and she just said, the morning, uh, she said, I, I have been broken all morning about the world my grandchildren are growing up in. And you feel that before? She said, I listened to the message and at the end was overwhelmed by God's goodness. And she said, this is where I choose to rest, knowing the goodness of God and trusting in him. So maybe tonight you need to realize the peace, the peace with God. You need to realize that it covers your past. He sits with us in the present and he's with us in the future. Audio guy, you good? Family 13 to the youth center. Mother, I'm dyslexic. I don't know what to tell everybody. You know it, I know it, now they all know it. (laughs) All right. No peace right now. All right, peace of God. Past, present, future. Think about Jesus, right? Jesus to the disciples the night before he's betrayed says, I offer you peace He knows what they're going to do. He knows Peter is going to go, I don't know him. I want nothing to do with him. He says, peace, Peter. He knows they're going to come and they're all going to run away. They're all going to abandon. And Jesus dies on the cross for them. He rises. And when he sees them with love, he says, hey, I have peace for you. Do you see the love he has? Do you see that he looks at your past and goes, I can cover your sin. To be with you in the present gives us eternity, a future. It is a wonderful peace from the Lord. We who trust in Christ are redeemed, totally forgiven, 
declared righteous by faith. Our sins are forgiven. Rebellion ceases. The war is over and we have peace with God. We have peace with God. May we just celebrate it tonight. May we just thank the Lord for it because of what Christ did. But there's the peace with God, but there's also this peace of God that the Bible talks about. Right? There, there's the peace of knowing God covering it all, but then there's this, one calls it the subjective peace. This is the feeling or the filling of peace that we should know peace. Jesus says, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. He gives us this peace. And he tells the disciples, yes, there is going to be tribulation. But we can still have peace in that tribulation. Colossians 3.13, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So here's the peace with God, but also know we, even in the broken world, there is the peace of God. Here in Colossians, it says, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. This word means to, to umpire. Here, Paul is telling the church, let peace be the referee. Let it point out the conflict. Let it make the decisions. Does peace umpire your life? Does it rule our life? Philippians 4 is one of my favorite places Bible says, let us be anxious for nothing, but in all things to do what? In prayer and supplication, let your prayer requests be made known unto God. And then it says, and the peace of God shall guard your heart and your mind. It's so wonderful. Here's this image of peace as a soldier standing there at post, guarding, guarding against the enemy. Peace with God moves to the peace of God. So, a man in my church, I'm going to be careful how I tell the story, but a man in my church, young man, uh, a few years younger than me, so young, young. Uh, but a few years ago, he came to our church, didn't know the Lord, had been in prison, was a drug addict. And came really because he just needed community hours. So we began to care for this man. He comes and he comes and he comes. And he comes to know Christ as his Lord and Savior. He has a messed up past. He's got hurts and struggles. And he's coming and now he starts to use his talents. Begins to play in the worship band. Begins serving the Lord. He is a very um, young believer, like never been taught these things. And, and, and so, so he has a girlfriend, and him and I begin to start to talk about this. And as he has a girlfriend, some inter interesting things begin to happen. His ex-wife, who he has a boy with, and she begins to start hanging out at the church. 
and she starts to come, and we start to have conflict in, in the parking lot. She'll come and drive by and start screaming at the both of them, and she comes to the gathering and sits front row right in front of him. So it's hard, and, and so I, I meet with him, I meet with the lady, and I said, man, we love you, and we want you to be here, and what's awesome is we have multiple gatherings, so where you guys are at, we want you to... You come to this gathering, he'll come to this gathering for right now and just, just trying to, to, to find some peace right there. So the next Sunday, she comes to the gathering that he's at and sits front row and says, I don't really care what you say, Pastor. And so then it's hard. And I said, hey, we have multiple locations and we want to care. Again, trying to care and to love for people. And, and so don't want to take you into all of it, but a little while after that, he came to me and said, Pastor, um, my ex-wife has accused me of abusing my, my son. And he says, so, um, and he's just broken. He's like, I wouldn't abuse my son. And, and so we just walk through and trying to disciple him, and he's growing. And, and so he, uh, he takes me through the court cases, and, and I'm walking with him. And I tell you all this because as he walks, and he's trying to follow the Lord and serve the Lord, he has this peace on him. He comes to me before and goes, Pastor, whatever happens here in the court, they could, they could, I could go to prison, I could do all that. And I, I, I'm going to follow the Lord. And, and um, you know, he asked me things like, will you, will you take care of his now wife and, and all of that. And so he calls me after the court case and goes, Pastor, just, he said, I'm free. He said, it's all good. And, and um uh, even to backtrack a little bit, he, he had to stop coming to our church because the lady said she came to our church and he wasn't allowed to come to our church anymore. So he had to start going to another church. So it's just, just tell you some of this, but I, I tell you all that to take you to the last text he sent me. Because now he's in a place to say, Pastor, I just want to see my boy. He said, so I went to court just trying to, to say, hey, will, will you give me the freedom to see my boy? He sent me a text and he said, you know, I got there and the prosecutor, they were coming after me. And he said, I came with me and, and Jesus is what he said in his text. He just said, the judge went back and came out. and They're going to let me see my boy. He said, I also want you to know my wife, through all of this, I've watched her eyes open to Jesus. And he sent me a text, he goes, you know, she, she was open to this, but this day I believe she trusted in Christ as her Savior. And I tell you that story just to tell you of a man in turmoil, a man that, hey, had a messed up past, comes to know the Lord, and trying to serve and trying to walk and obey Him. And it's still a storm and still a mess. And even at, as all of that was happening, just to watch the peace and him going, the Lord's got me. Do we believe the Lord is real? Do we believe the Lord has us? It's amazing to know we have a real God. And we can have peace with God and know the peace of God. I think about the story in the Bible in Acts where Paul and another guy named Silas, I really like the character Silas for some reason in the Bible, but Paul and Silas, they were in prison in Acts chapter 16. 
beaten, chained in prison. What do they start doing? Start singing Bayshore. No, they didn't start singing Bayshore songs. <laughs> they start singing praise to the Lord. Right? We th the image I have, right, in their blood-soaked clothes, beaten and bruised, not knowing what's going to happen next. The peace of God is real. They begin to sing. And when they begin to sing, things start happening. And my favorite thing is in the stories when the soldier comes running in and is going to right, kill himself because he knows they're going to be all gone. Paul says, no, 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 we're here. And he, and he looks at them. And I just think he's going, what is that that they have? What is that? What do I need to be saved? What do I, you are singing praises to Jesus, the peace of God. What happens? He accepts Christ. He goes and gets his family. They rejoice in the Lord. So this leads us back to Matthew chapter 5. Because we can never be a peacemaker unless we know and rest in peace with God and the peace of God. And then that takes us to being peacemakers. And it ain't that is not easy, Bayshore. To be a peacemaker, what is it? 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Ephesians 4.3 says to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Bible says if you have my peace, you need to strive for peace. Right? Romans 14.9 says pursue peace. Romans 12.18 says as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all. 1 Peter 3.11 says seek peace. Peace and pursue it. So are you a peacemaker? Being in the church for a little while, you see a lot of people who aren't peacemakers. You see anti-peacemakers. Or in other words, you see troublemakers. And ask an honest question tonight. Are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker in the church? Ooh. Get a little personal here, Pastor. A troublemaker. One who spreads rumors and gossips. One who is constantly looking for problems. One who enjoys... It's just somebody falls, something bad happens, and you know what you do? In your heart, you give a little smirk. It's not a peacemaker. It's a troublemaker. It's one who is negative. One who loves to fight online. Loves it. Because that's where we win our fights. That's where we bring peace on Facebook. 
always works. Hun, that's my sarcasm again. All right, just making sure. We don't bother to love our brother and sister. We go and repeat things and call them prayer meetings. We get things that are said. And we go to our brother or sister and go, you know what they said about you? Instead of doing what the Bible says and sending them to not listen and to send them back and say, hey, let's be peacemakers. It's a troublemaker. But I want you to know, too, that a peacemaker is also not one who is shy or passive. That's not a peacemaker. It's not one who shies away from the truth or doesn't like confrontation. And maybe you're, I don't like confrontation. Maybe you're like me. But to be a peacemaker is not one who runs away from confrontation every time. Like in marriage. Sometimes there's confrontation in marriage, isn't there? There's conflict. Not yours, just mine? Okay, all right. But the one in the marriage who always goes, whatever you want, fine, just do what you feel like doing. Is that being a peacemaker? No, because there's a nuclear explosion going on on the inside. It's not finding peace in the marriage when you just give in. To be a peacemaker, it's not one who shies away from those things. That's a coward. See, being a peacemaker is more than just being an appeaser. It's more than just going with the flow. It's more than going, hey, we just don't want to have any sort of ruffle anybody's feathers. That's not what the Bible is talking about here. It is saying a peacemaker is what? Well, they're not quarrelsome. They're not looking for a fight. They're not one who is quick to speak because they follow the word of God that says, hey, be quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to anger. But listen, a peacemaker is not one who is afraid to make waves. Why? Because they're honest. And sometimes honesty hurts. Sometimes in love and care and gentleness, when you give honesty and the truth, it will break a relationship. To be a peacemaker is one, somebody said, who risked pain. Well, what do you mean? See, a peacemaker is one who, when they have wronged somebody, they will go and say, hey, I am wrong, and I'm sorry. And that's painful, especially to our pride. A peacemaker risked pain because in the church, the Bible says if you have aught with your brother, if your brother has sinned against you, you go to them. Why? To hurt them? No. To gain a brother is what the Bible says. To go and we have, we, when we have conflict in the church, we go to them in love and care, filled with the peace of God, but willing to speak up 
Are we peacemakers? Sadly, there's this gross message out there that says we need to love people without the truth of God. And can I tell you, you can't love people without the truth of Jesus. You can't do it. So one said it this way, it's so clear. To talk of peace without talking of repentance of sin is to talk foolishly and vainly. The corrupt religious leaders in Israel. So in the book of Jeremiah, there's a passage where they say, peace, peace. And the Bible says there was no peace. Why? Because the people were not ashamed of the abominations against the Lord. We can't be peacemakers if we don't stand on, stand in the love of God and the truth of God. Think of Jesus in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, Jesus goes to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, right? He goes to her. No other Jewish people would be seen with her. He goes to the woman and begins to talk with her, to care for her. He tells her about the living water. Who's that? Him. The water, the Messiah, the one who if you'll drink of him, you'll never thirst again. He cared for the people that nobody else would. He didn't go to the person who was shaped up and looked perfect and like, oh, I'll come to you when you're this. No, he went to the broken. But as he talked and spoke of the, the gospel, he spoke of the living water, he also called out sin. He also spoke of your husband and the one you have now is not your husband. He spoke to her truth about false worship. Was he not loving and caring? No, Jesus is perfect and loving and caring. But to love and care, it also carries the truth. This is what we're called to do. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This beatitude builds from the others. Because the truth is, unless we come to the Lord poor in spirit, we won't get what it means to be a pacemaker. Unless we come mourning over sin, unless we come being hunger and thirsting for righteousness, having this meekness, Seeing the mercy of God and having it poured over us and going, I, I want to share God's mercy. It then takes us to a step of being pure in heart. This is what leads us to be peacemakers. So tonight as we get toward the end of camp. 
I think of that statement, go in peace. And studying this passage, it means so much to me now. May we go back and on Sunday and Monday, living in the love of Christ, kind and gentle and caring, but yet bold for the Lord. Be a church that is willing to fight for peace. Because there's nothing greater than the peace with God and the peace of God. Would you stand with me, please? Tyler, will you come? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your peace. Thank you, Lord, that you cover our past and our present. We have a promised future. Well, God, it may we fight for peace. Maybe we'd be willing to care enough for people to speak truth. May we not shy away from confrontation. May we not allow bitterness or anger or vengeance creep into our lives. But to love you and to love people, stand on your truth. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.